Welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you will never, ever, ever, never. You can always tell when I am particularly emphatic with my nevers. It's you, you tip your hand very early. Because sometimes we watch movies that you might encounter. We play a little fast and loose with the rules sometimes. Because yeah. we, we, we like movies and we like yeah. all the movies. We like cinema. Yeah. We like, we like the whole totality of the ad experience. Correct. And uh, as such, uh, but we tend to ch- stay with our bread and butter genre film, films that just don't get talked about enough. And this week's But film, then sometimes we watch uh, bread with a lot of butter. Sometimes we do that. It's just and, bread fried and fat it's back. just butter. Yeah. But, but yeah, the butter and then a spoon. Just a bar of butter. <laughs> a bar of butter. Just a bag of pretzels and a tub of Land O'Lakes. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what happened this week as we looked at the Bruce Willis-Michael Bay joint extravaganza Armageddon. That's right. The Christmas lights are already up all over the place, but we refuse to... Sk- we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet. We are going to be thankful for these goddamn 90s movies. Where does this land in the Left Behind series? It la- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to talk about that, my friend. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah, it turns out um, Bruce Willis is Nick Cage's father. Now, are the ones f- with, uh, what's his doodle? Are the first set that they the tried Kirk to do? Cameron the Kirk Cameron ones? Cameron. Are those canon? I forgot Nick Cage did a Left Behind movie. Yes, yeah. he did. He did. I he, think everyone forgot. He did, he did a remake of the. That's right. I don't, I don't think Nick Cage remembers that he did that movie. <laughs> I would try to forget. That's why he. That's did the Mandy. one where he does a face off with the uh, the Antichrist, correct? Yes, the Antichrist played by Billy Bob Thornton. His... Wait, really? No. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, here's face off. So the, the the Left Behind books were super popular when I was a, a kid. I read them, uh, and I was still in the church. Of course, you did. Uh, they're the, trash. The, the, yeah, the only thing that I did you know they had a Left Behind for kids series. I did know. Not important. The only thing that I remember I read them too. is that the Antichrist's name was Nikolai Carpathia, and I got to go ahead and say, great character name. Absolutely, it's it's, there. it's a good one. You know, it what? rolls off the tongue. It has strong. a good effect. I'm just gonna say right now in the Left Behind series, Dracula is the Antichrist. Nikolai Carpathia. He's 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 Romanian. He's he, uh, from the Carpathian Mountains. Gotcha. He, yeah, they're 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 doing Dracula. I this feel... is the kind of thing you do on the Borgo cast. This isn't yeah. it? Oh, it is, oh, maybe I can't wait for the Borgo cast series on the Left Behind. That's not going to happen. Maybe it's because I'm engaged to somebody who comes from uh, Slavic stock. But man, all of Europe just doesn't like Central Europe. E- truth. It's weird, and most of like. Western Asia too. Well, it's because doesn't like Central Europe. They're all gypsies. They're not, but they're all gypsies. I don't think you can say that word, Dustin. Uh, G- uh, Romanies. Wait, are they really though? I mean, yeah. That's that's the accusation is that uh, that's where they come from. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And okay. so gypsies, they're they're tramps and thieves. They're all that. And so that's uh, they get they get painted with one broad brush. Hi, welcome to Good Trash Presents Ancestry.com. <laughs> yeah, right. 
This week we're brought to you by and me. Because <laughs> yeah, obviously you know the, the Romani people are a very specific people group from yeah. Central Europe. But gotcha. no, if you're from some, you're yo, you're a gypsy too. Ah, so okay, that's all, where that comes from. You're all gypsies. Gotcha. All right, we're gonna take a quick ad break for uh, our new sponsor, Twenty Three and Me, and we'll be right back with our uh, summaries and quick thumbs up, thumb down review of. Armageddon. Hi, I'm Tim Makowitz with 23andMe, here to tell you about how you can give your spit to the government. The government, they need your spit. Oh my goodness, I'm Bulgarian! And we're, we're back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a page out of the Turns praise, out we're all Russian loyalists. Which means I'm a gypsy. <laughs> nope, uh, turns out I, I am still Irish dumpster trash. <laughs> I come from sharecroppers and, and liquor drinkers. Checks out. Yep. So you can see how excited we are to talk about Armageddon already. Let's go ahead and identify. <laughs> Two thirds of this cast are. <laughs> Let's go ahead and identify our voices just so people know who they're talking to. Uh, who are you, sir? I am Arthur Gordon. And if you don't trust the men you're podcasting with, you're as good as dead. It's true. Very good, very good. To my right, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and this is turning into Surrealistic Nightmare. My name is Dustin Sells, and I am faced with man's greatest dilemma, north or south. And here we are talking about Armageddon. Uh, that's that's funnier for us because uh, we it, had a lot of pre-show banter. Uh, hi, yeah, we're going to talk about that Michael <laughs> Bay movie. It's a thing that happened, and I will try to not leave this apartment and immediately get on a jet plane so I never have to talk about this movie. Now, to warn you, dear listener, we're hey, we are going hey. to avoid spoiling. On a jet plane. Okay. You knew we wouldn't get through the entire episode. I wanted more banter. I wanted more voices. I want less singing. Bushimi really kills it on that. Uh, when you know, he comes his, in to do his, uh, his little, little harmonization. Yeah, is pretty good, really, yeah. I, I mean, Michael Clark Duncan really sets sets the bar really yeah. high. But yeah, Bushimi comes in and does a great job. He does. Uh, and I could really... He was the, of the guy singing, I pictured him most in a barbershop quartet. Yeah. Uh, he looks like he belongs in one. Although, I gotta say, uh, big guy. What's big guy? Michael Clark Michael Duncan? Clark no, oh, Max. Max. Yeah. Mac, big, yeah, big Sounds pretty guy. good, too. Yeah, yeah he, he, his oh 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 oh's are yeah. very amazing. See how I didn't sing it? It's the it's the best scene of the movie. That's a fun one. It is. So, um, in case you're tuning in for the first time, we're going to try to avoid spoiling this movie, even though we've already spoiled the best part, which is the leaving on a jet plane bit uh, led by Ben Affleck. But we'll avoid it for the most part through the show, like this. We'll do a synopsis, then we'll do our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, then we'll play a game. The game might involve the mildest of spoilers, so you'll know when that happens. And then after the game, we'll get down to business, and that's when all spoiler bets are off, and you will find out that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. That's right. If you don't want spoilers to a 20-year-old movie about an asteroid, go away now. Or, well, hang out now. It's go away a, later. It's a documentary. We'll let you know. It happened, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it, ha it happened, and then everything since then has just been some weird purgatory that we've been living we've in. We've been irradiated, and yeah, that's no, why we, things are they, the way they, they are. They did, in fact, fail. We are... Uh, We're in some sort of... Uh, way station. Yeah, some sort of uh, I Am Legend knockoff uh, world. What's oh, those... Uh, I can't think what that movie's called. The the one with Charlton Heston. Uh, the Omega Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, that one's... Have you seen The Omega Man? I have not. The Omega Man in includes um, something of a deeply, deeply racist 70s racial overtone as what? well. What? Charlton Heston was in a racist movie? Oh, I know. It's shocking. Get but out. Damn him. Speaking, damn of, straight straight out. Speaking of Charlton Heston, how about Charlton Heston's original voiceover in the opener of Armageddon? Holy shit, that was Heston? That was Heston. Wow. You know what? That's fun. Yeah, I can hear it as soon as you say that. I didn't even catch that. 
The opening of this movie is Cuckoo Banana Pants. That's a that's a good place to start, right? With yeah. the opening. Well, I mean, we're gonna. I, do we need to synopsize? And then I guess we'll do that. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Arthur, what's this movie about, Mister Voice of the Cinema? As curated by the Criterion Collection, Armageddon. <laughs> oh, no. After discovering that an asteroid the size of Texas is going to impact Earth in less than a month, NASA recruits a misfit team of deep core drillers to save the planet. We're really a couple nows away from a porno. Yeah, we are. Was that really the Criterion Collection synopsis? Oh, I know. The, I know. Damn. I got the t- Armageddon on. We got it right there. Armageddon on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a. Uh, it did get a Criterion release. It weirdly did. enough. Yep, on laser disc. Strange times. Strange times. Okay, so, so that's uh, yeah. Thank you, Arthur. Um, there's an asteroid, and uh, there are drillers, and uh, there is going to be hilarity. Hilarity doesn't zoo. It does. Um, much like. Very quickly. It is not but a scant 10 minutes into this movie that a guy sitting in front of a giant telescope screams at his wife to get his phone book. Yes. This movie is nuts. Is that Grace Zabrinsky? I, I didn't look it up. I it, didn't either. It looked almost like her. I don't think it's her. Okay. But it's it's like all, it was like that uncanny valley. It was close enough to, I think, just her makeup. I think that actress is someone else entirely. But it was just this moment where I went, Do what? This movie is full of faces that make you go, wait, who that? Mm-hmm. So, Maybe. Uh, all right, so let's do this thumbs up, thumbs down review thing. Dalton, tell me how much you like Armageddon. Armageddon is a movie, and it is two and a half hours long. And in that two and a half hours, uh, you can tell that everybody in this movie did it for the Benjamins. And I say that because I did some research and found out that literally everybody involved in the production of this movie basically said as much on the record. Which is nuts to me that you have so many actors from a movie saying, yeah, I wanted... Steve Buscemi literally said he wanted a bigger house when asked why he did this movie. Billy Bob Thornton basically said the same thing. Even Michael Bay doesn't like this movie. He said if he had time, uh, if, if he had his way, he would have like scrapped the entire third act. Like... uh which goes to be a problem because you know the asteroid. Well, here's the thing though. I I will say this. I think it goes to say they had like 16 weeks to make this movie. Yeah, it was a real tight turnaround. Which for a movie this big is that n- is insane. Cuckoo. Yeah. So I will say this: the fact that this movie works in any capacity is kind of a miracle. I mean, we've talked about this on the show all the time. The fact that any movie ever gets made is nuts. I mean, tell you, it's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of people. Here's a big thumbs up for to every movie ever made for just getting it done. Uh, the Armageddon is one of those films where you can tell that they had a hard time getting it done. Um, look, Michael Bay's reputation is what it is. Uh, we have made our feelings about him pretty clear in our Bad Boys 2 episode and our Transformers episode. Uh, but the problem with this is I don't even feel like Armageddon succeeds at what Michael Bay is good at. Um, say what you will about him. The guy does know his way around an action scene when he can stay out of the edit bay and chop it to pieces. I don't think that the action beats of this film work that well, and it kind of is the thing that should work the best. Uh, what I do feel like works surprisingly well is the characters. Uh, every character in this film is just pretty much an archetype. Nobody's got really anything resembling an arc. Uh, what do you mean? Bear's not a well-rounded person? I would say that none of the characters are well-rounded. but Because I think Bear plays large. Bear is delightful, and though. And African-American. Michael Clark Duncan's great. Billy Bob Thornton comes across well like every every character is easily invested in uh yeah yeah michael clark duncan is definitely doing an archetype but he also 
rides a motorcycle through the Badlands of Dakota. Come and get Papa Bear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's love wild. It. Uh, uh, Steve Buscemi rides a, a nuke uh, and has to... It, it, <laughs> That Doctor Strange love reference. There are a so lot of jokes. By the way, there are a lot of jokes about Rockhound uh, sleeping with underage women oh, yeah. that are gross. Oh yeah. Gross. But how old are you? Bushimi also like is secretly a genius, which is fun. Uh, Affleck and his dental appliances that he got for this movie. Uh, he's fine. He's he he's been Affleck. Bruce Willis doesn't phone it in, and he definitely could have. Uh, so I think the thing that works are these character beats. I mean, we, we are going to avoid spoilers for a movie that I think most people have seen, but, uh, I, there are emotional beats in this film that I feel like play a lot better than you would expect. Uh, right before we started recording, Dustin said that this film succeeds at what it sets out to do. I don't know that I entirely agree with that, but I think it gets close enough to what it wants to do that you're, I, I, I can, I can see that and I recognize it. I'm not a big fan of what it wants to do. I think there's better disaster movies. Uh, I think there's better space movies. Apparently, NASA uses this film in training. Uh, this is IMDb trivia, so who knows if it's true. But NASA shows this film to people like in their first week and says, write down as many errors as you can find. And I think the, the, the most anybody's found is like 160-something. Wow. Yeah. So it's complete and utter nonsense. Uh, ben what Affleck was with a gun in space. What is he doing with a gun in space? Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Ben Affleck was right. The plot of the film makes no sense. It's way. It is easier to train engineers who already know how to fly spaceships to also work a drill. I don't. The conceit is nonsense, and it's so hard for me to get past uh, that it just frustrates me. But again. Yeah, Bruce Willis chasing Ben Affleck around an oil rig with a shotgun while he's trying to also uh, get ready for clients to come in to show them around. It's a hoot. It's 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 weird. Uh, Liv Tyler does way better work with the material than uh, the material gave her to do. So yeah, it it works and fits and starts. And there's a worse worse ways to spend two and a half hours. The dentist. <laughs> Ask Ben Affleck. I imagine it was not fun to get those of those caps put on. All right. Oh well, yeah. No, I'm done. Okay, I'm, I'm done. You were looking at me. I, I guess I should have said I'm done. You had you had I don't know not a not a finality with there with that. Statement. Well, the, this film never feels like it's over. You know, I feel like I'm still watching it a little bit. So uh, yeah, I apologize. I'm just kind of uh, I've got a thousand yard stare from this movie. That's what I think about Armageddon. Okay, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Tell me how much you like Armageddon. I'm definitely, I think, more positive on it than Dalton. Uh, that first hour is a riot. It is joyous. This cast they're, is they're, incredible. Bashimi. They're game. Duncan. Uh, Will Patton is MVP. Yeah. Uh, Willis. Billy Bob Thornton does a lot of good work. Liv Tyler. Uh, you know, it's it's just a great... Uh, Owen. Whoa, whoa, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson? I forgot Owen Wilson was in this movie. Uh, I completely which, forgot. Yeah, I, I and it's funny because you don't actually see him until they round up the usual suspects. He's not on the the thing with him. I don't think at the rig at the beginning. I don't remember he's, seeing him on the rig I'm, either. I'm pretty sure he's not there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a fun little thing. Um, I I love the first hour of this movie. I think it's a blast. I think it is a great uh, use of the you know assembling a team mm-hmm. trope and the montages they do when they're doing their testing is a lot of fun. When we're kind of get there, you know. Uh, Actually filmed at NASA. Yeah, they convinced uh, NASA this would be. They uh, tried to do the, the Top Gun thing. And, yep. Yeah, uh, which is it's cool. It's it's fun that you know they they had that sway and they got that done and it, it works to the film's aesthetic. You know, I was wondering that I read the trivia afterwards. And I was wondering as I was watching if they were actually filming at NASA. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I think that helps a lot to legitimize that first hour of the film. Um, I think, like you said, those emotional beats when, when Will Patton on their last night out, when Will Patton goes to his estranged oh, family, it's so good. he's like, just give him, it don't works. tell him it's from me. It's brilliant. Will Patton's good in this I love movie. Him. I love, he's one of my favorite yeah. actors. Uh, I, I love to see him pop up and stuff. Cause I, you know, it, I think it goes back to remember the Titans, mm-hmm. uh, and this film, but, um, yeah, I, I, I love seeing him show up. And gone in sixty seconds. Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah. Is what you yeah. should have said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, MVP for me there. Uh, but uh, you know, when we uh, after they get on the space shuttle, it just becomes a slog. I think that's what it is for me, Arthur. That second half really takes a lot of the goodwill that the first half earns out. For you me. say half the the. It's true. It's, it's the last an hour. ninety minutes. The of last this ninety film. minutes. You're right. Uh, just, I mean, there are some fun moments. Uh, the Bashimi stuff as he's gro- getting his space paranoia. Space dementia. Yeah, <laughs> is... the stuff with William Fickner, who I didn't mention earlier. William Fickner's a lot of fun there, yeah. kind of being the uh, authoritarian mm-hmm. government hand. Uh, his back and forth with Bruce Willis is really good. That sequence is good. Yeah, um, the turnaround's too fast, but agree. Yeah. So I. I it is really a mixed bag. It it really is, and it's it it's that Michael Bay thing where he has to make every film an epic. I don't know that he's made a film less than two hours and fifteen minutes, and I feel like he has this. And I don't know if it's something you know. I I can't figure out that motivation because it's almost from the get go. I mean, yeah, and I don't know if it's him or it's Bruckheimer. Like I don't. That's I don't, true. I mean, Bruckheimer is the other player at here. Yeah, um, I, I, you're absolutely right, though, Arthur. It it's. It feels like I don't know if it's self indulgence. I don't know if it's just being overzealous, yeah. overambitious. If it's what he thinks works, I mean, it's he's trying to put together these action epics, and they never quite work for me. They just feel too bloated. Do Do we need more time with every character, or just less characters? I think the number of characters is. I would just. It's a lot of the. Uh, we've got a lot of this kind of slow motion establishing shots that aren't needed. Uh, a lot of that stuff, you know, when they're in space, I don't know if it's necessary. I don't know that I would have split them into two teams. You yeah. Know, those, those types of things I think you can consolidate. Uh, that's just, you know, personal things. Um, the stuff with Lev takes forever. Which that's Peter the, Stormare, that subplot was... I love oh, yeah. Who we Peter haven't Stormare. mentioned. Peter Stormare, Stormare is very fun in this, but that subplot, yeah, it takes forever yeah. to uh, go somewhere. And I know they added, like, you know, they added the romantic re- relationship during production or right after production, so they had to reshoot a lot of those sequences with Affleck and Tyler, um, which is, just feels forced, I think, at that point, shoehorned in. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it is, it's a fun movie. I, I think it is a, it's a good guilty pleasure film for me. Um, like you said, I think there are worse ways to spend two and a half hours. Uh, but for me, the back half of this film can never live up to the, the momentum and the just kind of... And that might be what it, it may be too front loaded. We mm. kind of talked about that. I think with the Lego movie, we talked about how a film can be too front loaded. Yeah. And that may be what it is here. You know, maybe spread some stuff out more. I don't know. But I, I, I think it just suffers from the thing that all of Bay's films suffer from, and it's just being overly long and bloated. I think it's fair. And Arthur, you, you are absolutely right to, to go to bat for all those actors because, I mean, that's, like I said, that's what works for me. Is, is There's one moments. guy that we only see a couple times. Uh, he's. I don't even know who he is. Uh, when they round up, he's kind of got like I think he's got a buzz cut. Oh, the other astronaut, the yeah. Gruber or something like that. Gruber, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Who's Gruber? Don't, K- 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 S. 
there, there's a couple astronauts we just don't get to know very well. Yeah, and, and you know, you could probably do without like a Max or something like that. Like, yeah, there's some stuff, but you need. I mean, it's a Bay film, and you need fodder. Someone's yeah. gonna die for sure. Yeah. You got to have your red shirts. Uh, yeah, but you, yeah, Will Patton's great, and Billy Bob. The scene with Billy Bob Thornton and Jason Isaacs, where they're trying to like stress the seriousness of the situation. Yeah, as a scene I actually really like because I, I think Isaacs and uh, Thornton like really sell that. Like the yeah. uh, this is the smartest guy in the planet. You should probably listen to him. Like it's that's fun. that's a fun it's moment. A great Line. So, I, oh, go ahead. Arthur, I was just—I I really like uh, the stuff in the, you know, the act uh, where uh, Billy Bob is kind of going against the government plans. That kind of yeah, plays that, out there. I think that's a fun subplot. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so. Dustin, uh, where are you at with this movie? I don't know what's wrong with you guys. This movie is—we have to deal with what we have. I feel like Dustin's trying to overcompensate. Like he, we've painted him as some sort of yeah, elitist he, snob, and he, now he's got like all this. Okay, he, we've backed him into a corner. Like we've been doing this and bit. Nobody about, puts baby in a corner. No, and he's mad that we painted him as an old fuddy-duddy. Okay, well, I challenge you good trash dear listeners to go back through the files and see how often these two trash movies versus how often I trash them. I, I am I, I defy you guys that I like more movies than Let's you remember that Dustin gave the original cop-out answer of putting it on a friend's shelf. That's so true. you could avoid putting a movie on a shelf. I, That's I, true. I didn't want to put it on the shelf. This is the guy. This I'm sorry. Hold on. I have known Dustin for the better part of a decade now. This is the guy Ugh. that told me that equilibrium isn't good. Is about I to tell me Armageddon. Yeah, the guy that is like the faculty is about to tell me Armageddon's better than I'm giving it credit for. Yes. All right, go ahead. Because it. Okay, what is it? It is this huge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I mean it is this huge summer blockbuster with great character actors, big headliner names. It's got Aerosmith on the soundtrack. It. Is, I mean there a bunch. Is, a bunch. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's doing some very very specific things and a great big action. It, it you know it's got the, those great scenes of the meteorites you know playing pinball with the world. Those I mean those big action sequences they're dumb. I mean I'll give you that. I'm mean, the dialogue's awful. You know and we're talking about you know uh, little Reggie and yeah Eddie uh, Griffith and his dog. I mean that that whole I mean it's yes it's ridiculous and that he eats Godzilla which is hilarious. Very cute. Um. All of that stuff is at work in this movie. And then, you know, I, I well acted. The I tell you what, whoever is location scout was killing it for this movie. And uh, choices, the, the, the life on the rig looks like life on a rig to me. And I've uh, been around those most of my life. And uh, the NASA, I mean, I wasn't That's there. why Dustin married a roughneck. Anyway, um, I don't know. There... You're missing. No, I was just. I, I was just trying to tie. Oh, in the because I live Tyler. Yeah, because you grew up on. You, yeah, you grew up around Roughnecks. What see, is? Since what I don't expect? look like Liv Tyler, I didn't quite get that. I can see a resemblance. Oh, <laughs> I think you're very attractive. <laughs> you have beautiful eyes. Well, you know, I am Elvish on my mother's side. Um... <laughs> we'll play with the animal crackers later. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we would get to that joke. Um, I knew we would. Uh, but okay, Ben so... Affleck's right. They are a cookie. But, uh, you know, Affleck doing that, yeah, he's correct, they are cookies. Uh, um, Affleck, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Bruce Willis, everybody is just doing a great job. Uh, the bit parts are funny. The, uh, so location design, location shooting and choices is, is amazing. Uh, but also just a set design when they, uh, develop the, uh, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, psychological test room mm. with Udo Kier. Udo Kier is the doctor's fun. Which is great. Uh, that, that room is fantastic, and the way that those scenes are put together, we'll talk more about editing here in a second. Uh, all of that stuff. 
works really, really well. And there are ways in which this movie is shot like three different kinds of movie. That we have the first movie, which is the big, silly, broad comedy, mm -hmm. which is shot like without the uh, analytical, clinical editing of an Edgar Wright movie, without those little extra bits of like opening a lock. It's shot just like an Edgar Wright movie. The re that, that first half of it. That's because the average shot length for a Michael Bay film is 0.5 seconds. That's correct. Um, but then a thing happens when they get in space. The takes get longer, and the camera starts floating on that gyroscopic uh, unit that you carry it around with. That there's something that happens there. And then they go to the cranes when they get onto the set that they use for the uh, asteroid itself. There's some good crane photography there. Yeah, I'll give and, you that. And the way in which all of those different pieces, are, they're, they're edited where you definitely feel the difference of those kinds of spaces. I mean, so, so formally, there's, there's some thought that's going on here. I didn't say it was an incompetently made movie. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with any of anything you've said. Okay, now I got problems with it too. Yeah, but they're thematical, ideological. But do I have fun when I watch the movie? Do I laugh at the jokes? Do I, after having seen the movie, you know, probably three times uh, in the '90s when it came out, and then you know, not having seen it much since then, I still laugh at all the bits. I still, you know, am sad when I encounter moments of tragedy throughout the film. And I'm still moved when I'm supposed to be moved, and I'm still, you know, you know, cheering. I'm still wincing and trying to, you know, oh no, watch out, chick, you know, and that kind of stuff. When Will Patton is, you know, I think think he's going to die or something like that. That's all happening as I watch the movie. So yeah, this this movie does what it's supposed to do. It's doing what it wants to do. Now, ideologically, uh, thematically. You know, gender politics. We got all kinds of things that we need to talk about regarding this. But regarding just this movie as a bit of cinema and popcorn, it's good. Okay, it's 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 exactly what it wants to be. It is the it is is it is top shelf action blockbuster disaster movie kind of stuff. I think. Well, all right, all right then. Now, now we uh, the cards have been placed upon the table. So now you know our biases, and you know who's right and who's wrong. Um, but we'll talk more about that anon. First of all, let's talk uh, about how you can be part of the conversation with us all via the magical means we all know as uh, social media. That's right, Dustin. Uh, you can join us uh, on our asteroid, headed straight into our psychic oblivion uh, on the internet. Jump on. Uh, rot your brain out. It's bad for you. It's like Dr. Seuss's nightmare there. Yes, it is. Uh, would you like to tell us, uh, who are your guys in this movie? You know, who speaks to you? Are you more of a bear? Are you more of a chick? Are you more of a Billy Bob Thornton? I can't remember his name. Uh, I'm kind of a bear chick. Yeah, me too. Uh, who, who are the characters that speak to you? You can tell us at good underscore trash on Twitter. Uh, that's gonna be the best way to get a hold of us for those silly little, uh, thoughts that you have about an episode. Uh, also, keeping up with what we're doing, we've got uh, a kind of an unofficial marathon going this month. Uh, we uh, still feeling the um, the holiday hangover from Shocktober, so you know we're we're playing a little fast and loose, but we're we're trying to keep a theme going. Uh, but if you've got thoughts about uh, this month's theme, where we're focusing on '90s action cinema, or you've got thoughts on Shocktober still, or you're curious about what the years, year, and months to come hold, uh, yeah, Twitter's a good place to do that. If you're not already on Twitter, it's okay. Don't do it. Uh, save yourself. Trust me. Uh, Arthur and Dustin and I can all speak from experience. It's uh, it's not good in the long term. It's like uh, it's like smoking digital cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> don't do it. If you want to give us your feedback that doesn't involve you having to wade into Twitter, you can uh, send that to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. It's where you can send us that long-form feedback that we love oh so much. Uh, 
yeah, big fan of those emails. We like them. Mm-hmm. We have we got to read one recently. That that was a treat. We like it. Very I like much. it quite a bit. Um, a nice thing that you can do: uh, rate, review, and please subscribe to the show. Uh, yes. However, you put this in your ears keeps you from having to check for episode drops on Twitter. Uh, saves us the trouble of uh, having to shoot them out. I mean, we're going to keep doing it anyway because uh, we kind of like it. But uh, that's a great thing you can do. It helps our visibility, all that good stuff. You've listened to a podcast before. You know how this works. Uh, secondly, uh, just just tell people you like about the show. That's the thing that we're really big on here. Uh, we tell each other about the podcasts that we're listening to. Um, do that. You don't have to have a podcast to tell people about the podcasts you like. It turns out that it's a very popular medium. People enjoy it. Uh, I'm listening to Limetown Season 2 right now. I'm kind of a big fan of uh, how they've changed the format. What are you listening to? You can't talk back to me right now. That's kind of why I like doing podcasts. I just get to yammer. Uh, please do that. Uh, share share what you love with the people you love. It's very important. Uh, it's really one of the only things that we have going for us as a species is that we can make shit and tell other people about the shit that we made or... Uh, Let's not. Oh, now, now we're stuck in a poop joke range. I got to get out of here. Uh, last but not least, if you want to hear more about the stuff that we're consuming, uh, consider being a patron. Uh, you can go listen to Good Trash Nights, where we talk about what's got us fired up in pop culture. We do all kinds of fun side projects over there, and uh, you can feel good uh, that you gave money to uh, people you like and uh, help them keep making things that you like. Uh, so that's patreon.com forward slash GTM if you want to financially back this delicious program. Uh, much like PBS, we are brought to you by viewers like you. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I think it's now time to play the game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but damn the game, if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game. This week's game is our favorite disaster films. That's right, favorite disaster films, brought to you by Armageddon. Favorite disaster films. Yep. 290 episodes, we haven't played this basic game yet, so now's as good a time as any. Well, that and, you know, Armageddon. We've only done, yeah. like, one other... It's true. We we have kind of skewed Avoided away. somehow. Yeah. Is it a genre we don't like? Do we not think it's interesting? Why have we not done so many? I don't so know many? that it's just ever come up. I yeah. mean, we did Independence Day. and I think Twister. We did do Twister. Yeah. yeah. That's about which, it. Which might get brought up shortly. But yeah, we, we just haven't done a lot Spoiler of Spoiler alert. Oh, oh, oh hadn't no. listened to the episode yet. Oh no. Oh goodness. I think they'll be okay. Hey listener, are you gonna be okay? See, they can't talk back. Isn't it good? Uh wow. yeah, I know. I'm really, really giving you a peek. Ego behind. is going unchecked. Give me a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> Alright, moving on. Hey Arthur, um, what's your number first pick for favorite disaster film? I just told you it's Independence Day. Nice. Uh, yeah. It is, uh, actually, it's probably my top pick. Anyway, here we are. Numbers don't matter anymore. Um, it's Independence Day. It is a, a, a raucous good time. Uh, with Roland Jeff Emmerich, Gold. the thinking man's Michael Bay. <laughs> That's what I like to call him. Yeah. <laughs> you and no one else. Uh, I'll tell him that over tea and see what he thinks. Yeah. Um, it's Gold it's a, Bloom. It is a blast. Will Smith. Uh, uh, yeah. It's uh, you know, Bill Pullman. Uh, Vivica A. Fox, yeah. this cast. It's fun. It is a good ride. Uh, we get a lot of great uh, one-liners from Will Smith. Uh, we got a lot of sexy Goldblum in his uh, white tank and uh, plaid over shirts uh, just doing his thing. And it is a good time. It's kind of a buddy cop thing going on. It's got this disaster thing going on. Uh, we got that the, the best presidential speech of all time, real or fictional. Um, and so, uh, And we got Randy Quaid. 
uh, being a drunk oh, yeah. uh, crop duster. Giving us giving <laughs> yes. us a peek into to what the future held for him. <laughs> um man, I, I just I love I loved it as a kid and, and I I think it moves a lot better uh than certain movies. Um it, it, it keeps its momentum going strong. Uh and we just got some fun little ref you know, we got the nice uh, intertextual thing of uh, Burnt Spiner as uh as the uh, scientist at, at yes. Area fifty one, which yeah. is a great nod to Star Trek and uh yeah, I I, I uh I, I think it's the top. We, Arthur, when we did the Independence Day on the show, however long ago that was, uh, your love for it made me like it more, which uh, was a, a fun thing to have happen on an episode. So yeah, I, I I love your love for Independence Day. Thank you. I love the way you love. It makes me fall in love I, with you. I just don't want you guys to miss a thing. Oh. All right, well, moving on. Um, what is your number first pick, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Uh, my number first pick is an extremely dumb movie called Into the Storm that is a, a film that features a fire tornado. Okay, uh, I haven't seen that. It is complete and utter nonsense. It came out in like 2012. Uh, this is a movie that I uh, saw in a dollar theater. Because, How does one make a fire tornado? Uh, well, Dustin, what has to happen is the giant tornado that is chasing the leads of the film <laughs> has to run into an oil tanker. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, this this movie is cuckoo so, banana pants. So how long does it stay on fire? I'm gonna here. Let, let me tell you who's in this movie. Okay, Richard Armitage. Okay, yeah, uh, Sarah Wayne uh, Callies, um, and Matt Walsh. Those are the top three build people. This movie is bonkers. Uh, it is set in Oklahoma uh, and was written by people who have never been to Oklahoma because it is set in the fictional town of Silverton. And if there's one thing we don't have in Oklahoma, it is silver. And towns. Yes. Uh, we know we have those. Um, actually, no, we don't. We have we have cities and then other areas that other, you could yeah. call towns if you were uh, squinting. We, we have places where people get gas. Yeah. it's uh, This movie is absolutely bonkers. It is a worse version of a movie we will talk about later, but it is also a lean... 90 minutes, and it is buck-wild silliness all the way through. 2014 was a year of release. I wanted to peg it earlier than that, but it is... It's just nanners. Guys, this this movie asks the question, how big Tornado can be, and answers it real big. It is uh, Michael Bay's Twister. It, it is perfect in its absurdity and its silliness, and again, features a damn fire tornado... The tornadoes actively chase people. It's mwah. excellent. It's the pinnacle of silly. And uh, the thing that I like about it is you can never tell how in on the joke anybody is. And that's that's a real good sweet spot for a, for a, a silly ass movie. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. My number first pick will see Arthur's Don't Want to Miss a Thing and raise you a My Heart Will Go On. That's Ooh. right. Yeah, Titanic. Mm. It is a disaster of a slightly different, not natural sort. Although I guess a uh, hitting an iceberg is a natural. I would say that the hubris of man is the most natural of disasters. It is the um, at least uh, the least surprising of them, anyway. Yeah. And uh, but I love Titanic. Titanic's super good. It's an and, underrated movie, honestly. And uh, love it, love it very much. I can tell you this. I will tell you one story because I like to tell cute stories about my children. It's just a way to make people like me. And uh, because it's a shortcut to having a personality. That's for sure. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Because I mean, why would I do? that yeah and, and, you, you already put all of your energy into making a couple of people yeah well helping make a couple of people 
I yeah, well, I was a participant. But yeah, you I, were there. But 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 my my energy. You didn't grow them. No, you yeah, can't no. feel like. Sorry, we're talking about it. That's a different James Cameron movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um. But so I'm watching this movie, and th- I mean, this is how moving it is in every single level with every single character. Again, in a similar way that we might see in an Armageddon kind of movie. So do you remember? Um, Leo DiCaprio had a buddy, an Italian buddy with him, Benvolio yeah, or no. whatever. Uh, oh, it's um. Uh, oh, what is his name? Shit. What is his oh, name? Oh, there are listeners screaming right now. Oh, what is that kid's name? Uh, go ahead and go on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Benvolio, although I know that that's actually uh, Romeo's cousin from uh, Romeo and Juliet, also with a Leonardo, DiCap- Leonardo DiCaprio connection there. But we're watching this movie, and uh, there's a kill in which uh, one of the the, the, the uh, steam pipes... Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Uh. Uh, where the, it comes down and it crushes him. And uh, my, my 11-year-old at the time was probably 9 or 10 watching it. And he, Fabrizio! He's just, yeah, and tears just streaming down his little face. And uh, it was one... I mean, you know, it, it, it's moving and it's wonderful and it's stupid. It, it's good. Yeah, and it, As with any movie that makes a billion dollars, the thing you, that happens in the culture is it turns on it. It's, yeah. It's it's the circle of uh, of popular culture. It's It's how we do it. It's good though. It is good. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And so my number first pick is Titanic. Moving on, Mr. Arthur Gordon, you've got some work to do now. What is your number next pick? Um, I'm going to go with uh, something that kind of subverts the disaster tropes a little bit. I'm going to go with Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I think that's a disaster. Yeah. 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 But it's, you're it's absolutely right. That, but it's not an action film. It's not about giant set pieces where things blow up or get destroyed. Um, it's a kind of a quieter, more nuanced look at the relationship that would you know kind of take place in this setting you know it's the last days of man what does that look like and what do you look for and what do you seek out and it's a road movie it's a comedy it's a romance and it's a it's a fun uh mashup of these kind of ideas of what you think of when you think of a disaster film and then you know combining with those other uh, more nuanced and subtle elements. Not very many movies can say they feature Gillian Jacobs as a uh, TGI Friday's waitress who uh, is choosing to run, uh, continue to be a waitress at the end of the world, but doing it uh, on ecstasy. That uh, Arthur, I love that movie. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, we we will try to get on the show at one some point. We've we've tried and failed in the past, but we will do it uh, in the future. So good. That's, that's my pick. It's a good pick. I like it very much. What is your number next pick, Mister Dalton Stewart? Uh, my number next pick is the the Good Tornado movie. It is John Debont, Yon Debont's Twister. Uh, Yon Debont does not get enough credit. Uh, a real good cinematographer made a couple of good movies. This is a guy that got attacked by a lion on the set of Roar and still literally got scalped by a lion and still went on to make Twister. What a guy. Uh, but yeah, Twister is a film that you are obligated to watch when you are from the state of Oklahoma. You cannot get out of it. And when I was a kid, uh, didn't like it. Fell asleep during it. Uh, and my feeling was, I uh, I don't need to watch the movie Twister. I get to play that game every May. <laughs> I have no interest in this film. Uh, but we actually did for the podcast a while back and uh, found myself liking it more than I expected it's to. It's pretty good. It's pretty good in, the, in no small part because of Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. Paxton, the king of disaster movies. Uh, we're, I pull him in too, though. Uh, R.I.P., Bill. Uh, you know we love Paxton here at Good Trash. And uh, he just... he It's one of the few movies where he is unequivocally the lead. Uh, and he just... He's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about an actor who mostly plays supporting roles getting to sink their teeth into that lead performance. And, uh, yeah, he makes you buy his, uh, 
his whole shtick of uh, uh, super obsessed meteorologist. Uh, he's great. Uh, it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman. Everybody's in this movie. It's got a cameo from Gary England, who's only famous in the state of Oklahoma, but they put him in the damn movie anyway. Because authenticity. Yeah, man. man. Uh, the the end of that movie has one of the all-time great disaster movie jokes, where when running from a tornado, they run into a building full of sharp objects. It's so funny. It's, it's great. Uh, it, it is a textbook disaster movie. I think it does everything, uh, that kind of thing. It, it is the opposite pick of Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, to be <laughs> sure, but uh, I, I think it is a very worthwhile, fun time. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Now, my number next pick is from 1974, and I'm just going to name some cast right now. Is this? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Got Paul Newman. Who? With Steve McQueen. (gasps) With William Holden. (gasps) With Faye Dunaway. (gasps) With Fred Astaire. Gasp. And O.J. Simpson. It is the movie I thought it was. It's The Towering Inferno. Yeah. And I, okay. I didn't know that that, damn, that's a, Hell of a cast, though. I know, right? Yeah. And it, it's exactly the same it, Armageddon formula. And is one of the movies that kind of kick-started the big wave of disaster movies we got in the 70s. Right. Yeah. And so and I saw The Towering Inferno on HBO or whatever when I was- You, you didn't know, see it in the theater? I- <laughs> Sorry. I know you're not that old. I apologize. <laughs> Missed it by that much. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you saw it as a, as a child. As a child, and it was fun. It was riveting. I liked the characters. I liked the tension between Newman and McQueen. I didn't even know that they were these great actors that did, you know, good movies. And uh, William Holden, I didn't know him from Stalag 17 even yet. I mean, there's so many things that I could have known them from um, that I did not yet know. Uh, Faye Dunaway, I mean, she's fantastic. Fred Astaire is a, you know, just amazing, amazing actor. O.J. Simpson uh, is a murderer. Is a killer. And and um, yeah, yeah, me, Keith, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving right people, along. People versus OJ. Uh, or no, wait, shit. Made in America. Made in America. I mean, I totally yeah, follow the entire thesis of that film. I understand all the things that were going up. I think uh, my official OJ position is this. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Good Trash Presents. OJ. OJ. Go ahead. Dustin's official position is should have been found not guilty. Totally killed her. Yeah, man. I yeah, I, I support the thesis of Made in America as yeah. well. I think yeah. uh I'm not gonna speak for Arthur, but uh yeah, I agree with that. My position on OJ is that it goes well with breakfast, uh, but I can't drink it all the time. <laughs> you know what else it goes well with? I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. Did not. That is a first grade joke. Uh, oh, man. man, that's good stuff. Uh, All right. Uh, so I'm, my, my I'm full of chef kisses tonight. <laughs> we, we are we are done with number next. We are moving on to number last. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what is your number last pick for favorite disaster film? I was going to circle back to uh, Mr. Roland Emmerich, but I'm going to actually uh, fast forward to 2018 to a little uh, small budget film called Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah, uh, that's a def- hey. You know what? Disaster movie, for yeah, sure. Totally. Uh, it is, uh, for a couple of reasons, I mean, it is just everything you want. It is just nonstop action for two and a half to three hours. Dustin does what? not buy this argument. What? Hey, Arthur, I'm in your corner. No, I was I was resisting making a joke that's not a disaster, because if they all die, that means we don't have any more of these bloody movies. Only half of them died, so we still get half the movies. Oh, well, that would be like 50% less. That would be <laughs> awesome. Sorry, go You're on. You're so- 50% less fat than potato chips. You're so wrong, Dustin. 
Hey, look, you, you either get on board with the grand experiment or you don't. Okay, I don't. All right, well, All there right. we go. Arthur, uh, I'm on board for the serialization of uh, big budget uh, yeah. corporate pop pop art. Please continue. I, uh, I, it just it. It works as an action film. It is just nonstop. It's got all the big set pieces. We got some tragedy and some over, you know, these kind of gigantic Greek uh, dramatic moments of tragedy and comedy and all that stuff. Uh, but just as the culmination of this film experiment, I, I think it stands, you know, at, at a certain place. And so I, I appreciate it. I enjoy it quite a bit. I haven't seen it since theaters, but I, I had a good time watching it. Um, we'll see where it goes, but uh, yeah, I, you know what? Yeah, that's, that's my pick, Dustin. All right, suck well, it. Well, no, I, suck mean, it I, I understand it as a disaster film. I was just thinking to myself, I'm not sure, Mister. I like all the movies. I like more movies than you. Moving on, you got him. You trapped him with okay, the MCU. I am, I am done. Okay. Ah, no, as, 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 you know what? As, 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 the MCU gambit. It the, works the, the every truth time. Is I like Infinity War. I liked it too. The problem is, I just would like something else too. It, it is. You know what it is? I've been drinking nothing but OJ. <laughs> mm, and it'll there, kill you. It will. It will. <laughs> there needs to be something else. That's my point. Fair enough. Um. So moving on, your number last pick, Mr. Dalton Stewart. So I also called an audible, uh, and switched the last minute. Uh, we right before we started uh, recording, started talking about a little movie called Coherence. Uh, oh, from yeah. 2013, 2014. Uh, it was older than I thought it was. Uh. Coherence, much like Seeking the Friend, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, is a very different disaster movie. Uh, this one, in ter- instead of you know making it a small stakes emotionally, uh, it makes it small stakes just in terms of the content of the film. It's a very low budget uh, indie. It takes place at a dinner party, uh, and it's a very different kind of disaster. Um, without spoiling too much, uh, the the barrier of reality becomes very permeable, and I think that's the uh, the best way to to pitch you on coherence without spoiling too much. Because I think uh, where the film goes holds a lot of really fun surprises, uh, and it features Nicholas Brendan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, oh, yeah. playing a character who was on a popular television show and uh, is having alcohol problems. So uh, kind of uh, getting to do a character. Uh, that speaks to him very much. It's seriously a, a really great performance. Uh, if you are a fan, this is me continuing to try and sell our listener on it. If you are a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I think it is a film that uh, you got to check out for that Nicholas Brennan performance. But uh, there's a ton of great performances, a lot of great character actors in this film. Uh, and again, it's you know kind of an underseen flick. Um, I really like it a lot, and uh, I think you will too if you're in 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 the mood for a disaster movie of a different speed. Alrighty, well, I am also going to select for my number last pick a disaster movie of a different speed. And I want to think out loud a little bit before I actually name the title. Okay. I want to think about Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I well, think about it every day. All oh, you're time. talking about the movie. The, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, the Valley of Megiddo comes up a lot in your mind, does it? Um, I think that was a Bible reference. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lost me. Uh, so, Armageddon is about... People who do not belong fish. Um, it's a fish out of water story, fish out, yeah. no, but the water over your head, I guess, really more than okay. the fish out of water. It is a situation in which you have the thought that you can do this best, and it turns out maybe not. And uh, so it is putting together this sort of loony gag bag full of characters to again accomplish this feat. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, in doing so, it may go very badly, while also being watched by experts and outsiders who are on the outside looking in, going, you know, talk about the wrong stuff. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so not only does this film have the word disaster in the title, but I think it absolutely is a disaster movie, and that is James Franco's The Disaster Artist is a disaster of a film. Shit, you're, okay. You're watching, a tra- you're watching Armageddon about movies. Yeah, damn. It is, that is what Good that, pitch. that is what that film is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, now Franco problems. Do, I was going to say, do we have an official position on James Franco? <laughs> that That's my position. You know, you know, okay, I got it. Dave Franco, the best Franco. The best Franco. That's the best position. Yeah, I think it's the one that I'm going to stick by for right now, because uh, I don't want to swear anymore. I'm trying to cut back. Okay. Um, Franco's gross. But that being said, his you know film, uh, it, The Disaster Artist, is great. His Tommy Wiseau is fantastic. Uh, Greg Sestero, though, is writing basically from the position of Billy Bob Thornton's character yeah. doing this crazy movie, um, you know, The Room. Uh, with uh, Tommy Wiseau, which is an absolute disaster, and yet somehow from the jaws of defeat, somehow a victory is snatched out. And uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty much that the same That was a really movie. good pitch, man. So, I, I like, if hey, if Infinity War is a disaster movie, so is The Disaster Artist. Absolutely. I mean, and it is the artistic depiction and creation of disaster. I thought you were going to go with disaster movie. Yep. Is that a movie? Yeah. The, yeah, it's is it par- like yeah, is it's it like, like one of those movie. scary movie things? Yeah. Uh, also, David Simon should fire James Franco so I can go back to watching that show. Yes, uh, I decided to give up on it. I don't, I don't need it. That's fair. I don't need it. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, um, enough of this. I think it's time to get down to business. That's right, dear listener, and we are back, and the business in question is, as always, analysis. And so... Um, My official position on Franco is that I think he has taken to trying to win the role of Rockhound in the Armageddon Oh, remake. shit. Oh, boy. Oh, Goo. So, oh, man, that was a half-court shot. Thank you for that, Arthur. So, yeah, let's talk about, you, you want, know... Let's start with Rockhound, yeah. Yeah, Rockhound and wanting to kill your, you know... Is that where we want to start? Your daughter's... Yeah, yeah. Rockhound's a good place to start because... Rockhound and let's the get strip this, club let, and Helga's House of Pain. Yeah, let's yeah. let's eat our veggies now so we can get to our, uh, our and potatoes. And our one female, you know, astronaut, that real astronaut. So. The, the real astronaut who gets, like, four lines... Uh, but but she's kind of hot. So I split a bottle of wine with my mother and watched this movie, uh, which is a fun way to spend a Sunday night, by the way. And uh, when they are trying, yeah, because when, when his mom gets lubed, guys, she is a hoot. That that was a, a you said when his mom gets lube is what you lubed. said. Yeah, I know what you doesn't meant. Help. No, doesn't help. Doesn't help. My mother is a nice woman who has opened her home to you multiple times. I just, I just, should be ashamed of yourself. I, I have actually never, actually, I have seen your mom drinking, but yeah, one time. It's I a rare. I've never heard lubed as an adjective for, for drunk. drunk. Yeah. Also, you know what? also, no. my a, a bottle of wine get my mother drunk. You can be on your fucking <laughs> mind, dude. You drink me under the table, that lady. Yeah, take about two bottles. Of whiskey. Take about two and a half. Uh, yeah. My mom is is a hoot, and we had a great time. But when they were drawing straws, she literally goes, "Hey, wait a minute. Where's the lady astronaut?" Uh, which I, I honestly would have loved my mom's internal monologue for the entire movie, wondering where, uh, this movie kept hiding all of its female There's characters. There's a Dalton's Mom Reacts YouTube channel in the future. Oh my god, I want, she'll, she'd never do it. She's too camera shy, but it would be a hoot. 
but yeah, no, we got we. Got, did you say she's a real astronaut? Well, I mean, she's a. I mean, gotcha, she's one sorry. of the real astronauts. I, was gonna say, I thought I recognized that actress. She's one of the real astronauts. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and William Fickner. And yeah, she gets nothing to do in this damn movie. No, that did she, does she die in the second shuttle? No, she she co-pilots the uh, the shuttle uh, off the asteroid oh. uh, with Fickner. Uh, but yeah, other than having a joke at uh, about kicking uh, Michael Clark Duncan and uh, the Nards, uh, nothing to do this lady. The Nards, the Nards. Yeah, felt like a fun thing to say. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, you've got Liv Tyler who uh, carries all the emotional labor, carries all of it. Uh, and again, good performance. Yeah, a really great performance. Uh, good cry face, an all-time good cry face. The thing is, for me, it's very frustrating. Any movie that is the, one of the cruxes of the narrative is that a dad doesn't want his adult daughter to have sex. It's just gross. Yeah, why do you care, man? I think it's. I think part of it is that they're trying to mediate it with not with him, not with another roughneck. For sure, and I absolutely get that. That's what the movie, a smarter movie, would be doing. But it doesn't really. Yeah, get I don't there. think the movie has the emotional intelligence to get there. It's and it's a big problem for me. I caught my daughter in bed with a dude. I'm going to shoot the dude. Yeah, and it never gets beyond that, which is unfortunate because I think where the movie ends up going with the the relationship of those three is really sweet and touching. Uh, but also weird because he's like, you were always a son to me. I'm super glad you're going to marry my daughter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of kind of weird. You were shooting at me earlier. Yeah. Uh, also, look, we got to get this out of the way. I know I talked about it last week. Uh, this is a movie that features a love theme written by the love interest's dad. Yeah. Just kind of a weird choice. It's weird. It's, you know, I mean, stranger things have happened, but uh, it's, it's weird. Uh, so then we move on from that. I then guess there's raw counting because you know it's funny statutory, statutory rape. rape. Yeah, always hilarious in the 1990s. I just man, <laughs> statutory rape, and that's man, and that's the thing. I I know we've been talking about this kind of shit literally all year, uh, but you know for good reason. Uh, this is the year to talk about it. Uh, it's something that we've always tried to talk about at least a little bit throughout the course of this show. Uh, but it's gotten to the point where we can't talk about Hollywood filmmaking and not discuss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially all the things that we know were going on throughout the course of Hollywood history. When you have a movie with this many dudes in front of and behind the camera, jokes about statutory rape are not cute in Hollywood. They never were. They definitely aren't in 1998. Uh, they weren't in 1988. The worst part about the whole Rock Hound character is the fact that, you know, According to the trivia, Buscemi signed on to be this character that was actually an educated geologist, um, but he didn't become the the skeevy rock hound until they found out it was Buscemi, and they rewrote the part to to give him that persona. Poor Buscemi. That is too bad, yeah. And he deserves I, he deserves better. And again, the joke is, I guess, his taste is young. And that he knows he's getting himself in trouble. And so isn't that hilarious? Because ever once in a while, because he likes them so young, they're just a little too young. It's gross. It is gross. You know how you avoid that problem? Date in your decade. Man, and this was, when you were talking about, when you were talking about the, the jokes landing for you in this film... There's so many jokes like that early. So I have to, I have to yeah. definitely bracket those yeah. for sure. And there are jokes in this movie that do land. Yeah, it's a fun. The it's rest funny. of them, 
but there's a lot in that first act. As even it starts. I, I know I mentioned already, but the telescope thing and like the dude, you know. Yeah. I don't want to watch this guy like be mean to his wife. And again, I, I get that the joke is they're supposed to be this like odd couple, like this real like crusty honeymooners, you know, one no. of these days type thing. The but get the, get the phone book is bad. I mean, it's, it's abusive and bad. And it's not yeah. fun, and I don't laugh. But yeah. when he says, "I want to name it Dottie." Because she's this destructive monster that's, that's funny. going to kill us all. That's I mean, funny. That's hilarious. It, that's good. It's mean, but, but it's it, hilarious. It's, that is funny. But yeah, the uh, the get my goddamn phone book is just yeah, it's yeah, mean nah, and abusive, nah, okay. and I don't, I don't like it. I yeah. don't. I don't care for it. And there's just a lot of moments where J.J. Abrams, who wrote the screenplay and his co-screenwriter, and again, there's no telling what got added after the screenplay True. for this movie. There's just a lot of jokes that I, I don't. I don't like Michael Bay's jokes. Michael Bay, all of his movies uh, tend towards going for jokes a lot, and they don't work for me a lot of the time. Hey, you know, did you know you're going to get some more Michael Bay jokes very soon? Did I? Will Smith just announced Bad Boys 3 is going The movie's been it. announced about five times yeah, over they, the last decade. They, he, he announced it again him this Mark, week. Him. I'll believe it when I see its opening in a theater. Bingo. Yeah, the, when I sit down and... and the. Yeah, and Bad Boys Three pops up to watch up. it on DVD. Yeah, two years after. So the yeah, fact. like yeah. I'm not doing that. Why? Why are you guys doing that? Doing what? Watching that movie. I, I like the first one. Oh. Yeah, the second one's very bad, as it we've is. discussed. Yes, uh, it's it's travesty. Um, but ooh. nonetheless, nonetheless, Michael Bay jokes. They're yeah, weird. They're they're weird. And then there is just again the use of Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. That that what what are her uses in terms of the narrative? Her uses are what? To be a bereaved daughter and a potentially bereaved lover. Yes. You know, if they hadn't added that subplot of her and Alflick, I mean, she wouldn't have had anything. No. She would have been Bruce Willis' daughter. Yeah. That would have been it. Yeah. And again, this is not a knock on Liv Tyler. I think she turns in a really solid performance. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Uh, It's. I mean, it's. It's. It's the turn that kind of jump started her career. Um. I mean, she'd done other things, but this is a huge movie. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a big one. Well, she does have one other job, and that's to be sexy. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. Uh, nobody wants that to be one only one of their three jobs. I like that to be one of my jobs, but I like to it to be like one of several things. I would, my I would job. like to look good enough for that to be my job, but I think you're very attractive. Don't, I'm, I'm not fishing for a compliment. Don't be mean to yourself. You've got this like rugged old man handsomeness. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say like, like an eternally youthful thing. Uh, you are a vampire. Yeah, you're like, you're hot like Ralph Macchio's hot. Are, uh, vampires are always attractive. Yeah, we're we're gonna move on because um, uh, I got uncomfortable. Sorry about that. Uh, that's what you get for bringing up uh, your physical appearance. Wow, victim blaming. God, God fuck. I know. Oh, no. oh man. man, look what he just did. Dang a regular it. Franco over look here. Look what oh, he just did. Shit. You made me feel uncomfortable, and then it was my fault. No. <laughs> You're a monster. Uh, see, and this is important. <laughs> you name it when it happens. <laughs> Except, uh, hey guys, <laughs> I messed up and I'm sorry. <laughs> see how easy that is? I didn't have to lie. I didn't have to write a half-assed apology. I just goofed. Uh, see, and now the dog's mad at me too. He is. Everyone's He's really sad right now. Uh, yeah, it's just, it really, uh, we don't need to belabor the point. The movie's got real bad gender stuff. Uh, it's got race problems too, but I, I think they're... Uh, 
not as bad as the gender politics and and this one. It's it's pretty minor. I mean, there's the stereotypical New Yorker, you know, yeah. sort of scenes. You yeah. know, when the when the mini asteroids and that's the, yeah, the it, Volkswagen basketball asteroids come in. That's a range, isn't it? That is a range of asteroids. Uh, you know, soccer ball, soccer ball, Volkswagen. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton's got some humdingers lines in this movie. He does. Mwah. Uh, yeah, so the, it's, the gender politics are not good. Uh, the moment that does work in terms of family dynamics, though, is one Arthur's already mentioned. It's Chick and his estranged family. Oh, it's so And good. we don't get a lot to know about what Chick did wrong, other than presumably loving gambling. And I was gonna say he's probably just gambled the, the family's earnings he's away. An, he's and, an addict, and they, yeah. Yeah. they had to self-protect and get rid of him. And the, the reconciliation comes pretty easily. I mean, all he had to do was save the world, and everything was fine. Yeah, uh, just another day. But also, fair point. Uh, I love it, man. It works so well, and it, it's shocking that a movie that has these these gender problems, that has these family re- dynamics, don't really go that thoroughly examined. It does manage to thread that needle and be emotionally convincing. And it it there's something about movies, man. They can they can do both things. It's it's kind of weird, but uh, yeah, legitimate tears for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was moved. It's a very effective moment. Uh, it's just it's mostly i think in that performance um but it it's uh pretty contradictory to everything we've seen in advance right at this this their last day out mm-hmm. and everybody is drunk and debauchery and getting arrested and going to strip clubs and yada 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 more account being gross yeah yeah uh, pretty much um mini mouse and then uh and then we just kind of have this kind of stoic humbled moment in the middle of that before uh, you know, things get real and it's uh it's that moment of what you know, what do I do if this this is probably my last night on earth. Yeah. And tonally you're right. It it kinda comes in the middle of a whole bunch of other stuff and maybe shouldn't work, but it definitely does. I think it helps that it is that kind of breaking point. I think it yeah. helps to accent the strength of that moment. Um but yeah, it's uh it's you know, do you choose uh to take out a hundred thousand dollars from a uh bookie? At sixty you... percent, holy cow! Oh my god, such a bad interest rate. <sighs> That's the other side of Rockhound that does work. That yeah, that element. The 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 space dementia, while complete and utter nonsense, is super funny. Um, Steve Buscemi sells it. The the resolving the Rubik's cube being the start of his psych eval is great. Him talking about his dual PhDs at MIT, like all that stuff, is super funny. And Bushimi like sells it as like the guy that's so smart that he doesn't want to be a smart guy. I yeah. love it. I think that's that's a fun moment for uh, the film to have, and I think leads us into uh, a good segue to uh, what this film says about intelligence uh, and uh, rugged candurery. Yeah, let's do let let's let's talk about this particular American anti-intellectualism. Yeah, because it says that the only intellectualism that's worthwhile is the uh, intellectualism for personal gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you cannot argue that, um, oh God, whatever, uh, Harry uh, Stamper, is it, is it Stamper. Harry Stamper, Harry Stamper is uh, a guy that's so smart that he built a, a drill so good that NASA couldn't build it. Yeah, the, I'm smartest, say that again. the titular smartest man in the world can't figure out this drill that Poe Dunk Harry yeah. Stamper. Bruce built. Willis br- built a drill so good that couldn't they couldn't build a better mousetrap. Jason Isaacs couldn't. Mm, I don't buy that for a second. Not for a moment. Yeah. Not for a 
Not for a moment. And it, it's the whole, I mean, it, this gets us into the problem of the film is the unbelievability of its premise, right? Well, it, well it's a particular kind of knowledge, right? This is, yeah. this is, um, this is where you get into, um, you know, a little bit of philosophy here. So there's, there is a theoretical knowledge. Yeah. Right. And, uh, which, uh, can be of various sorts. It can be in terms of facts and figures. It can be in terms of computation. It can be in terms of being able to re- relate, uh, you know, and anal- and anal- analogize certain concepts. Those are all sort of within that large realm of theoretical knowledge. It could be measuring how long it's going to take an asteroid to get to Earth. Right. Computation. Right. Yeah. And then there is tacit knowledge, yeah. which is a much more visceral kind of knowledge. And, and I mean, and it's a real knowledge. And there's yeah. like the, the, the knowledge that uh, a guitar luthier knows yeah. when uh, he can hold a piece of wood and, and know I can plane this down and I can make a guitar top from this. Use hands do make a thing. Right. And uh, it, it, it's a knowledge that is sort of shoulder to shoulder. It's also taught. It's also you know mentored and those kind of things. But it's 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 passed on in a very different kind of way than you do theoretical knowledge. Yeah, it's it's an apprenticeship versus a uh, uh, a master's degree. Right. right. And, and they're it, they're both extremely valuable knowledges. But uh, I think it's very easy to write one off as more valuable or less valuable. And if you're wanting to do the th- um, the philosophical rabbit trail that I'm sort of um you know basically just rehearsing, giving you the cliff's notes, uh, look up a, a guy called Michael Polanyi, and uh, you'll find all his good work on tacit knowledge uh, later, um, which is a theoretical text about tacit knowledge, which is fascinating and it's sort of I don't know irony. Yeah, well, yeah, it's ooh, that's a, that's a real uh, Ouroboros of. Uh... Of stuff right there. It's a thing. It's Um, it's non-tacit knowledge about tacit knowledge. And of course, you know, much knowledge is that way, and that that's fine. But what this film is doing is again this very American thing in which a a tacit, again, sort of visceral, sort of kinetic, you know, embodied, uh, kinesthetic kind of knowledge is by far superior to any form of theoretical knowledge. Well, and I think it assumes a point of view, right? For uh, people with theoretical knowledge. It, it assumes that the people at NASA look down on Harry Stamper. And fair. I mean, that's... Look, somebody who works at NASA probably thinks they're better than somebody that works on an oil rig. I don't think that that's an unfair assumption for the film to make. But so many of the arguments in this film are brought into that regard when literally everyone's an engineer. Mm-hmm. Everyone here is an engineer. Right. Everyone here makes stuff with metal. Yes. And... The fact that the film like refuses to acknowledge that they have not that dissimilar fields of study and knowledge is just absurd. NASA built the rockets. Right. They also did the tacit knowledge. They they built a thing that takes you from the planet to not the planet. That's harder than building a drill. Fuck off. I'm right. sorry. It's harder. It is more difficult to exit the Earth's gravitational pull than it is to drill into it. But yeah, but w- so what it comes down to then is an issue of class. Exactly. And I think that's interesting. I think the the conversation that the film wants to have with class is interesting. The problem is Harry Stamper is an oil millionaire. Mm-hmm. He owns that oil rig he works on. I don't know many roughnecks who own their oil rig. No, I don't know any. That was, yeah, what I was getting yeah. at. I've known people who worked on o- offshore rigs. I don't, I'm pretty sure they've never met their boss. Yes. Ever. Their boss probably works at an office in Switzerland. And they tell stories about the company man when he comes and visits, and they don't usually like him very much. Yeah. So it, it's it's this weird fictionalization of uh, the oil industry 
that's uh, it just doesn't make any sense if you know anything about it. Right. And so it begins with that sort of thing, and that the uh, what you need in order to fix any real problem is that you've got a bunch of eggheads who overthink stuff and come up with a bunch of stuff that doesn't work, and they'll have some plastic whatever that's going to probably cost. Was this an ice cream scoop? I bet it cost four hundred dollars. That throwaway line. Yeah. Um, turns out things that cost a lot of money. Now I'll do a little West Wing bit here. Um, turns out things that cost a lot of money on you know submarines and spaceships do so for, for very specific pieces for, for specific reasons. I'm trying to say. There's an ashtray that was four hundred dollars on that was on the submarines, and people are like, "Oh my goodness, it's a four hundred dollar ashtray." Turns out it's a special ashtray. When you break it, it only breaks into three pieces, and they're all dull. That way, if something bad happens on the submarine, you don't have glass flying in the eye of the guy who's running the submarine. Things that are bad on submarines: fire and broken glass. Things that a bad ashtray will create. They live a different life out there, and it costs a little bit more than the rest of the world. But nonetheless, yeah. Thank you, Martin Sheen. Uh. But yeah, no. That's As a very Christian Slater, actually. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, oh shit, you were. I think what it is is it's a real, uh, it's a real rich guy's conception of class. Yes, and that's that's what it comes down to because I think uh, there are plenty of real tacit knowledge guys that are you know hardworking blue collar people that are very smart and sure are smart are. enough to know that if they're at NASA, if they're helping on a thing, they should probably defer to the NASA people on certain subjects and ask. Hey, what does this do? Can I rip it out before I rip it out because I can make room? Like, it, it is this false dichotomy, right? Mm-hmm. Of of working class knowledge, and that's I think that's really what it comes down to. This tacit. What was the other one? Tacit knowledge. Tacit and, and theoretical. Theoretical. Knowledge. It it pits them against each other as working class knowledge and and rich knowledge. But this is a movie written by rich people mm-hmm. for middle class people. Right. It's it's an absurdity. And what it ends up doing is, again, valuing, so we've got intellectual on one side is what what ends up happening, because we do the class component with it. So we've got Ivy League and, in, 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 you know, intellectual on one side. Yeah. And then we've got blue collar and plain spoken on the other side. Yeah. And then you run into what the fundamental, you know, discord is in American discourse. Yeah. Well, and it assumes these things are uh, mutually exclusive, which I, they're not. No. There's plenty of... Uh... Uh, a very plain-spoken uh, people with Ivy League or equivalent educations, and there's plenty of people with more uh, blue-collar educations that are extremely eloquent and aren't plain-spoken mm-hmm. or exceptionally loquacious, which is a fun word. Yeah, it's it just creates false dichotomies uh, and says that Bruce Willis is the ultimate figure of uh, American uh, can-doery and uh, don't-tell-me-how-to-do-my-jobbery. Right. And it is it is America takes on the world and a particular it's it's getting the real America back, right? Mm-hmm. That it is it is that sort of it is the quest for the real America. I don't think we're reaching here. I really don't. I I can hear I can feel like a listener hearing this and feeling like we're reaching for like a, a contemporary you know political issue with this movie. I don't think we're reaching. Man, it's okay. we've been doing this dance for a hundred years. You, you, you. You spoke. You spoke to what what Bay has really tapped into. Bay understands his target audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably better than any any working director. Uh, maybe you know hyperbole, but I mean that's a fair point, though. Yeah. I mean this this idea of you know Podunk country bumpkin oil rig working Joe Harry Stamper yeah. walking in telling NASA what for all them uptight Ivy League. Mathema who's it's right 
I mean, to, there's there's that idea of well, wish fulfillment and fantasy working out from a spectatorship, you know, of these middle class, blue collar, average Joes who, uh, you know, they go see the genre, they go see the action films, they go see the comedies, they go see those sorts of films, these very commercial, very four quadrant type movies. Um, and it speaks to uh, them. Go ahead and explain four quadrant just in case anybody doesn't quite know. Four quadrant, you're, you're, you're targeting pretty much any audience demographic. You're not just aiming for the 18 to 35 year old males. You're not aiming for, you know, the 12 year old girls. You're really, you're developing a picture that can cross those demographics. All four quadrants. Very good. Um, Thank you. And so, really, I mean, Michael Bay has, has developed, and, and I think the, the mass of moviegoers, I, I think, are those middle call, uh, you know, blue collar, middle class, lower middle class families who go see the films. They work nine to fives, they work eight to fives, they work in factories, they work in mills, they work on the land, you know, they understand that that Harry Stamper lifestyle. They understand that element. And I, I, I think that, uh, you know, Bay. Uh, his films are all financial success. I mean, he doesn't make a box office miss that I can think of. I can't think of one. I mean, he knows how to target that MAGA uh, conservative kind of crowd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, however yeah. you want to play that. Yeah. Well, but well, that's his target demographic. We kind of, I think we were, I don't know if it was off air or on air, but we were talking about the politics of Bay as a, you know, a right wing director of, setting up uh, opposition against the left and his government figures uh, in all of his films. Crazy Willie send you? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and really, he knows exactly who to play to and where his films will play and how they'll play. And I think for me, Arthur, the thing that's so frustrating about that is the people that he would say he's making his movies for, I think, deserve smarter films. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. I think at a certain point, there's a pandering going on yeah that is bullshit uh yeah because again i don't think michael bay knows that many roughnecks i would posit that i know more roughnecks than michael bay i don't think that i am wrong in that i michael call me we'll talk uh but i know a lot of guys who work in the oil industry because i live in a state where that's a big thing yeah uh and again i think they would all probably say yeah this movie's absurd it's harder for me to become an astronaut. I would like to be an astronaut. Being an astronaut's sure. badass. And again, I, I just I think the pandering crosses a point into um, if Michael Bay was more self aware, if this film was more self aware, it would realize it, it's it's a backhanded compliment. Well, what it does is it, it it creates an enemy. That's the real goal of ideology here. Is that the enemy is the boss, and the biggest boss of all is always going to be government. It's going to be, again, in, in the sort of large-sized versions of government. And again, not something I'm going to disagree with. But that that's where you find it. And to be oppositional to anybody telling us what to do or how to do things, and that they're always wrong. And that what you need to do is rely on just your own inner you know, voice and your own inner knowledge, and that that's where you're going to find your truth. So there's this moment, you know, the big moment of the movie is that Ben Affleck uh, makes this wager about using the drill in the, uh, in the Pacific, yeah. and it goes badly. And he's making the same thing. He is Luke Skywalker turning off his targeting computer just to use the Force. I mean, that is absolutely the plot point. And I don't think J.J. Abrams was, um, you know, at all, you know, um, ignorant of the fact he was doing a Luke Skywalker moment with that. Um, Probably not, yeah. Uh, and and so what he's doing, though, is he's ignoring the readings 
He's ignoring the schematics. He is going with his gut. And if his gut, it just doesn't feel right, then it's got to be right. And so if people all get together in an echo chamber and it doesn't feel right, we just don't like those people, we don't like that kind of whatever, it creates that, that crazy systematic groupthink of, again, nationalism and uh, the madness that we're seeing right now. It is, it is based on basically the exact same idea. And, and it goes both ways because obviously William Fickner's character does the same thing. He sure. goes with his gut. His gut is to do what he promised he would do, which is make sure this bomb goes off because that's his job. At least something, yeah. Because his job is to make sure that the contingency plan moves forward. Uh, so both groups have this in the film. And, you know, we'll keep it confined to the film. This sort of I have to go with my gut pervades the film. The film just says that these guys are always going to be right. Well, no, not everyone is right all the time. Right. And uh, it is the creation of Harry Stamper as a uh, uh, this sort of unimpeachable oil driller who has never missed a depth, ever. And it's, no, I, don't give me a character who's never fucked up, please. Yeah. Or the, the only time that they did was when they you know, fired off some buckshot at their uh, daughter's boyfriend. It's, uh, it's just, it's frustrating and... Uh, Bruce Willis deserves a smarter character, and this I, I think this fun film, I will concede it is a fun film, deserves smarter characters and a smarter plot. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing it deserves is a, a smarter move in terms of its use of the theological and the biblical. And I just want to talk about this real briefly. Armageddon is, again, this famous sort of image in the book of Revelation. I didn't look up the exact chapter. It's around chapter 16 or 17, if memory serves. Um, but, and I, again, I didn't, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, dear listener, if you want to freak out about that. I think you would probably know better than most of our listeners, honestly. I, I'm pretty sure I actually am wrong, but it's right in that neck of the woods. But, Anyway, there's a sort of this last sort of combative sort of image of the forces of good and the forces of evil finally corralling one another. But anytime we start talking about the end of the world or this sort of massive destruction kind of moment, that this movie is setting up those kinds of millennial fears in order to use it as a very evangelical Bible Belt selling point. There is no... There, there, That's there, not there, fear of uh, 20 to 35-year-olds, right? Yeah, well, it's also that. Um, <laughs> there, it's not a mistake that they use Charlton Heston and then intro the voice of the bible the voice of moses himself you know from the old ten commandments movie i mean there all of those connections are very much there on purpose it's not a mistake that we have the father sort of sacrificing himself for the son you know sort of reversal of isaac and 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 abraham or this sort of you know sort of strange christ-like figure that's going on here and also that weird like post you know near-death experience moment as bruce dies you know what gotta say I like that moment a it's lot. It's cool. I think it's pretty neat. But it, yeah. It is weird. It is, I like it. Well, which is exactly why I like it. But yeah. I, it's super weird. Give me more weird stuff. It I'm going to like your movie more. It's weirder because it doesn't belong in the movie. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's uh, The movie's not weird enough to have that weird moment. No, exactly. Yeah, I uh, love it. Yeah, but again, this sort of playing on that sort of millennial sort of fear and whatnot that goes on, that this movie is used, it, it is the most cynical thing. It's the most 1998 thing. Yeah, it's the most cynical thing, is that we're going to put together these big stars, we're going to put together this movie, we're going to do all the things, and we're going to make all the jokes and all this stuff, you know, and we're going to make a ton of money, and we're going to also, you know, glom on this sort of religious business Bit of imagery having nothing to do with anything that's going on textually nothing to you know that the president goes and the bible talks about this is the moment of armageddon 
there is a there is a star that falls from the scat from the heavens in in the book of Revelation, but then they would have had to name the movie Wormwood, and I don't think it would have worked nearly as well. That's a different movie. It's a very different. That's a movie that's got Cthulhu in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, give, give me that movie. And the waters became bitter, and they died from it. It's insane. Yeah, no, Revelation's a trip, dude. Yeah, and again, it's it, it's weirder than this movie. It's an excellent piece of poetry, which is all about simply one idea. If you want the the, the official theological position on the Book of Revelation for the good trash on our cast, and I know you all we do. a lot of official positions tonight. Yeah, Hit we're, it, Dustin. We're very, uh, the official position is that it is a first century text written to a group of people who were suffering under persecution showing seven different images of persecution coming to a sudden and amazing end and that the good news is simply this if you stick it through to the end it'll be worth it the end if you stick it through to the end eventually your oppressor will burn themselves down yes it'll it'll get better that's what usually happens it, it gets better or somebody will burn them down I just want to say that Dustin nailed it because it is Revelation sixteen sixteen. Damn! Oh, oh good. I'm good. On the money. Good job, bud. Good job. I read the book. That seminary degree paid off, huh? Yeah. You could be right on a podcast. I could be right <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> Living the dream. Vind- yep. Vindic- vindicating myself to teens of people. I think that every time I sit down on the show and can't remember a single theological or sociological theorist, man... That undergraduate degree was worth it. $30,000 well spent, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. Could have bought That's two the cars. American dream. Yep. So, well, there's some analysis there well, of the uh, Armageddon. Unless there's... So you're saying it's time to uh, to give our final stance on... The... We're time, time for all of us to make an official stance. <laughs> on the Armageddon. Yes, we must render a verdict officially. Yeah. So I go to you first, Dalton. What is your official stance? Shell for trash, else or instead? Yeah, I gotta say it's trash. I really don't want to, because um, I I think you guys have both made really fair arguments for this film as a a, a great guilty pleasure, a great like slice of nineteen ninety eight film. I I think there's a lot to be gleaned from it historically. And again, I think you're both right. That's a fun guilty pleasure, but you don't need it. There's plenty of big asteroid movies. There's better ones. There's plenty of space movies. There's better ones. Uh, watch something else. What should, what should you watch instead? Uh, catch up with The Leftovers. I tell you about it all the time. Go watch The Leftovers. Pick something that uh, Liv Tyler actually gets some work to do, has a super interesting character arc. She's one of the supporting characters in this show, but uh, she does some just really stellar acting uh, throughout all three seasons. Uh, she has way more to do in the first two seasons than the third because uh, the story kind of moves away from her character, but I think she's absolutely great in it. And it, this is a, a a piece of uh, entertainment and art that does not waste its religious imagery, unlike Armageddon. It uh, absolutely makes the most of it. So check out that instead. Uh, it is, in fact, longer uh, than uh, Armageddon. Uh, what should you also... You got two and a half hours freed up now that you're not going to watch Armageddon. You know what you should do? Watch the new Suspiria. Or watch Cloud Atlas. I watched both of those movies uh, this weekend, in addition to Armageddon. I watched three movies that are over two and a half hours long, and those two, are w- those two are way better. Uh, so if you've, you know, you've got three hours blocked out, don't waste it on Armageddon. Go catch up with Cloud Atlas. It's a better movie about uh, the, the ends of the wor- in- world's ending, and lives ending, and uh, continuing, and going on, and nothing ever is over forever. Um, yeah, d- do those. Uh, last but certainly not least... If you want some Bruce Willis this weekend or whenever you're listening to this, just watch Unbreakable. Glass is coming up. Uh, not not enough people saw Unbreakable when it first came out. Uh, so get ready for uh, the conclusion of M. Night Shyamalan's surprise trilogy. 
Go back and watch Unbreakable. It's one of best Bruce Willis's best performances by a mile. He's so good in it. And uh, yes, yeah, they're, they're better movies. Um, I don't hate it. Uh, I am bothered by uh, its pandering. Uh, it is fun, but you don't need it. All right, thank you very much for that, Mister Dalton Sir. What do you say, Arthur Gordon? Shell for trash, else or instead? You deep in thought. This is a tough one for me. He's trying to decide if they're else's or instead's. It turns out. Yeah. I'm going to go with shelf. Okay. I, I. Part of me sincerely believes that in 50 years we will be studying Michael Bay in uh, film studies courses. You're not I think wrong. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, and uh, I think Armageddon is one that will be looked at um, for for a lot of reasons. And so, shelf it. Uh, with it, I don't know. I'm gonna go with. Let's see. I I, I think for some uh, an interesting turn for Michael Bay, you look at Pain and Gain. Oh, I still want to catch up with that. I really do. With uh, The Rock and Wally Berg. Um, I would also suggest, uh, you mentioned um, uh, Unbreakable. Uh, let's uh, finish out that that three-picture deal with The Sixth Sense. Yep. Um, and then uh, for another just a fun disaster movie that I, I personally enjoy, uh, going back to Roland Emmerich, uh, The Day After Tomorrow. Uh, nice. With uh, the other Quaid, rather. Yeah. And uh, a baby Gyllenhaal. Baby Gyllenhaal. So uh, those would be my else's with Armageddon. I am going to go ahead and also say Shell for exactly the same reasons you do, Arthur. I think it's going to be a movie that's going to need to be reinvestigated. It's going to have those investigations happen. And it is fun to watch. And it's, so it's work. I mean, it's, it's a movie that you can pull down and you can actually watch attentively with a group of friends, or you can watch while you're paying more attention to the pizza with a group of friends. And it works as well in either circumstance. And uh, yeah, it's got lots of problems and there's a lot of stuff going on with it that are interesting and weird and wrong. But that being said, it still uh, makes it for a good time. However, um, so I'm going to say you should shelf it, but then instead you should watch. So you see what I did there? Yeah. It's it, it's a shelf, but don't necessarily, you know, just run out and watch. Instead, you should watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, and you should watch uh, Solaris. Uh, 2001 better by space Kubrick, movies. but much better space movie, and Solaris by, so Space Station, in this case, yeah. um, where all parts are still made in Taiwan, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, directed by Andrei Tarkovsky. Oh, not the Soderbergh one. Not the Soderbergh one. I knew you meant the Tarkovsky one. No, Have not. you seen the Soderbergh one? I've seen bits. Mm, seems like you're not a fan. It's too much Clooney. <sighs> no such thing. Okay. Ugh, perish the thought. It's no. It's yeah. Ugh, you're so wrong. Moving right along, that is it for this show. Uh, we just did Armageddon. I'm so excited that that is the thing that happened. We gave some analysis to that there thing. Um, we're gonna do something else, I guess. We're gonna stay in the light nineties, is what we're gonna do. All right, I'll do one more. Are you sure? I'll do one more. You're positive. I, I, he seems like he had fun this episode. It was, uh, a, good, it was a good time. Well, you're going to love next week because we're going to be doing the unofficial uh, sequel to Armageddon. Oh, are we now? Um, when, <laughs> the, uh, the asteroid strikes back. Uh, yeah, when uh, Steve Buscemi and, and, and company actually uh, get sent off trajectory and they become lost in space. I am really excited. Is Steve Buscemi in lost in space? No, no, no. Gary Oldman is, But it was though. a good setup. It was a very good setup. Hey, speaking of Gary Oldman. Yeah, what about him? He was, was in a space movie this. with Bruce Willis. Yeah, he was. He was. Connections. I was thinking about our body switch thing. Yeah. And I really wanted to put Gary Oldman in there against somebody, and I've already... Uh, mm. I forgot who it was. It's somebody else who does makeup work. Who? Who was it? It was Doug Jones. No. <laughs> 
I don't remember who it was now. I'm really sad. Never mind. Just well, we'll me. save it for next week. I'm sure it'll I'll, come uh, to yeah, you. I'll try to come up with it again because I keep gonna, thinking about it. You're going to find it coming to you while you're washing dishes. This yeah. is this is great radio. I love it when we do stuff like this. I do too. I think the Inside Baseball is very fun. Um, I'm sure they like it as much as I do. Yeah, Lost in Space. It's weird as shit. Uh, I haven't seen it since uh, probably uh, when I owned it on VHS. I have never seen it. You've never seen it? No. Arthur, Arthur have you seen it? Arthur's face, he's trying so hard. He's really it. trying to think it's about it. killing him. If you keep thinking about it, it's not going to come to you. you got to walk away from it's this true. problem. It's think true. about a pink elephant. What, uh, did you Danger. See? Danger, Will Robinson. Next week, we're getting lost in space. <laughs> so there you go, dear listeners. That's what's happening next. We're going to watch that after having watched Armageddon, and we're going to keep on keeping on with what the thing is that we do. And so you keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Good Trash Genrecast. The Good Trash Genrecast is a product of Good Trash Media. For more info on everything Good Trash, head on over to goodtrashmedia.com. Our intro music, as always, is an original composition by friend of the show Aaron Rodgers. And our outro music this week is predictably Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. I could stay awake just to hear you breathing. Watch you smile while you are sleeping. While you're far away dreaming. I could spend my life. Sweet surrender I could stay lost in this moment Forever Every moment spent